Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to The Business of You. Today, we welcome Dirk Dobler on The Business of You. Dirk is the founder and CEO of a company called Parento that is offering a first-of-its-kind insurance program for paid parental leave. Parento helps companies support working parents by providing an all-in-one solution for working families. Its insurance-based parental leave and support program helps companies retain talented individuals that are taking some time off to have children, especially working moms. Parento is actually transforming the landscape for employers and making increased retention for parents a reality, and for companies too. Parento is proving that investing in working parents is not only great for families, but also great for business. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dirk Dobler as we welcome him to the business of you. Dirk, welcome to the business of you. It's so nice to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm to dive into your story. Your your company is something that I find really fascinating and being a parent um, myself that was employed when I started having my children. I'm really curious to hear your your own journey. So Dirk, tell me a little bit about your your upbringing and what led you to founding Parento. Yeah, so so my upbringing, I, I grew up in South Florida, moved to New York after college, and my background, you know, I've always been interested in finance and, and started investing in stocks as a young child. Um, raised very middle class uh, by by a teacher and someone who worked in communications, and so. Um, nothing that really sort of in my childhood that would say like, I should be solving this kind of an issue, really nothing out there. How young were you when you started trading stocks? In high school. Okay. Um, And who taught you about that? I learned from my dad and then did a lot of self-study and and learning on my own and realized I wanted to go into finance, Mm -hmm. um, after high school when I went to college. That's interesting. Yeah. So then I studied finance and economics in college with the expectation of working on wall street going into investments because I'd been fascinated with that for such a long time. I started my career in that. I I started my career in equity research on Wall Street. Didn't love it, actually. Discovered I really wanted to not be on the outside looking in because these are just investors looking at public companies. And so I ended up leaving that to go into data analytics at a helicopter manufacturer because I have a passion for aviation. I'm actually a private pilot. We have a plane. I fly for fun, um, but realize, you know, you shouldn't make your hobby, <laughs> your job. <laughs> it's a little too corporate, a little slow moving. But we worked on really fascinating, complicated data problems there. And, and really before machine learning was popular, we were working on machine learning problems, you know, using a lot of very extensive data sets, terabytes and terabytes of data, um, and doing a lot of work in the operations of the business. 
So I got a very good understanding of how businesses run from managing inventory and logistics and manufacturing to supporting co companies and clients out in the field because they're helicopters, you got to support them. Um, and so that ultimately led me to running finance and operations for a company called Dame Products. And with my finance background and operations background was the first key business hire for them and helped them grow one with obviously the logistics of the business, managing manufacturing, customer support, and, and growing sales, and then obviously many managing the finances for the business. And so it's a very different business because Dane Products makes really vibrators for women by women. Oh. Um, and so people... <laughs> So I say it went from big things that vibrates little things. Um, and so I helped that company grow pretty quickly. Um, and But really when I was, I was there, um, because they were selling products for women, we had a lot of struggles running ads and running materials that sold our product. Even though if you look in the category, there are plenty of products that target men that can easily get advertising pretty much anywhere. You know, subway takeovers for Roman or Viagra or, you know, Trojan anywhere. You have no issues with these products because they're tailored toward men. Um, but we couldn't even run ads on, on Facebook, even when you're targeting people over 18. Um, and so it's sort of the dichotomy of the way society approaches issues for men versus women. And when they're different, you know, men oftentimes can win out. And so it's very difficult to manage the finance and operations of a business when you can run ads one day and you can't. And there's a five-fold difference in revenue and sales when you're able to run ads. And so is that sort of challenge really of managing what society views as okay for men versus women that sort of changed my perspective and the sort of undiscussed societal biases that are still out there and quite prevalent that a lot of people aren't aware of at all. It kind of ultimately led me to parental leave, which is kind of odd, but it's because women are ones who are most likely to turn over after having a child. They're dramatically more likely to quit than a man. Their careers are significantly more impacted than men's. And they're significantly more likely to take a pay cut or a step back from their careers. And they're going to do more of the child rearing. And it's because our society is structured that way, even though the generation raising children today aren't interested in that sort of stereotypical gender role. They're looking for more equitable child rearing, dual income households, careers for both parents, climbing the ladder for both parents. And so, you know, we, we're out there trying to change really these kinds of structures that have impacts on employees, whether companies realize that impact or not. So you mentioned before we hopped on that you're not a parent yourself, but was right. there was there something else that you encountered that that caused you to start uh, Parento? Yeah, so there are a couple of things. So one, I was actually trying to offer paid parental to my employees. So running finance, you know, I understood the challenges of trying to budget for that. How do you mitigate the risk? How do you make sure employees are coming back after you pay them not to work for three or four months? Because that's a concern for a lot of organizations. And then what's the business case there? Is there one to be made even? So that was part of what led me to this and talking to dozens of finance leaders discovered that generally they don't understand how to budget for paid parental leave. They don't know what the ROI is, if there's even going to be one. Because you're offering you know, a lot of paid time off to someone and you don't really know if they're going to come back. But we understood that generally HR gets why parental leave is important for both men and women. So you don't have to sell them that hard, but it was really finance that needed to be sold. My background in finance realized like this is a financial problem for companies more than anything else. Like We need to help them solve 
the financial implications of parental leave from affording it and properly budgeting for it. Because parental leave is not free. And then making sure those employees are, are coming back, but also giving HR the resources they need to properly advocate for paid parental leave. What's that business case? How many people should you expect to take leave? What would the cost be uh, if more people than expected take leave? And then what's the likelihood of them coming back if we have a solution versus, versus if we don't? Mm-hmm. So your ideal clients are the companies that have minimal to no parental leave in place? So we actually work with a lot of organizations that had an existing paid parental leave policy, some quite generous. We have clients who had 16 weeks of fully paid parental leave, 14 weeks of fully paid parental leave, realized that program just wasn't driving the results that they wanted. Women maybe were coming back at higher rates than elsewhere. Maybe nobody was really turning over right after. But if you look a year or two afterward, they're not progressing at the same pace as they were before. You know, they're raises aren't as high as they were in prior years, maybe, or they're not being promoted at the same pace, or their reviews aren't quite as strong. And it's because of the lack of ongoing support. And oftentimes, sort of a disengagement at that point, because the experience around parental leave is so critical. This is a life-altering event that parents are going through. It's not a PTO. And if you don't provide any more resources than just parental leave, the experience can be so bad, employees just don't feel like they're cared about. And we've seen employees turn over because of that. And then that's what, what can drive disengagement because the company just doesn't seem to care about you. And so we see organizations coming to us to help them improve the overall experience. And then obviously many of our companies never had a paid parental leave policy because most companies don't. And so they're looking for help to figure out well, how do you make this work? How do you budget for it? How do you properly support these employees? And we find most people we talk to have kids because we're talking generally senior leaderships and 90% of Americans have kids. So they there's usually a personal attachment to this issue. So oftentimes HR gets really excited and says, I wish I had this when I was having my child because it's solving so many of the pain points that they themselves personally face and don't want anybody else to face. Mm. So how does Parento work actually? If you can take us through kind of like your ideal scenario. Yeah. So what we do is we set up a paid parental leave policy for the company, the actual handbook language, and companies can offer anywhere from six to 16 weeks of paid parental leave at between 50 and 100% of pay from all sources. And then we procure insurance or it's a proprietary insurance that actually underwrites that policy and covers a salary expense when an employee takes paid parental leave. So we're fully insuring that paid parental leave policy the same way a company might fully insure their health, dental, vision, short-term or long-term disability insurance, because the insurance will pick up that expense when a mom or dad takes parental leave. And importantly, it is gender neutral. So it's going to cover men and women, whether they're giving birth, adopting or fostering. We actually don't really care the employee's gender or how that child's getting to home. We just want to know if that employee is bonding with a new child. But importantly, not only are you going to provide this cost certainty, budgetability for finance, but we're also going to provide a support system to both HR and employees. And most importantly, employees have access to unlimited emotional support, parenting advice before, during, and after leave. Most employees do use this, and they use about 12 to 14 hours of support with one of our coaches before, during, and after leave. So if there's someone there to guide them through this process, managing their stress, their anxiety, or what's normal or not normal for their baby, helping get that child to sleep, and helping with work-life integration. How do you manage your calendar, or your schedule, or manage parent guilt when you get back to work? And then making sure that those employees are, are adjusting back to work and getting ahead of any potential issues, whether it's you know their boss not understanding their actual needs, or maybe we're seeing early signs of postpartum depression and we need to get them in contact with a the therapist. 
So by having someone there to guide them through this process, it makes things so much easier. Parents are coming back full time and they're loving the experience. But then also for HR, we make their life easier by simplifying administration. We walk the employees through filing for disability or paid family leave. We, you don't have to worry about the multi-state complexity or leave entitlements. We take care of all of that. And then we're the front, you know, front line with regards to engaging with your employees during this leave process. Okay. I mean, it sounds like such a massive undertaking to, to start a company that mm-hmm. that does all this. Like, I mean, just the you just mentioned the change, you know, the changes within different states, the policies and mm-hmm. the laws in different states. So uh, take us back to when you first had the idea for starting this company and then what your next steps were, like your immediate next steps to make this idea a reality. What did that look like? So when I first had this idea, I actually ended up talking to literally dozens of finance leaders to one, understand is there a need for this? How do they approach paid parental leave if they even do? And then what price point would they pay for paid parental leave insurance versus other policies they're paying? That was a big point. But then we also had to talk to HR because we realized finance, you know, really cares about the insurance and it's good for them. But HR doesn't always understand or care about the insurance. They care about the employee experience more. So then we had to figure out, all right, how do we want to sell to HR? But what do they care about? What is their experience in this process? And then what do parents care about this? So while we pursued creating the insurance, which is one of the hardest things to create is, is insurance. It takes 18 to 24 months on average. Um, and this is a program that did not exist. Nobody had paid parental leave insurance. We had to create everything from the ground up. We also want to make sure that employees were getting what they needed. You know, we want to make sure they had paid parental leave, but how else can we improve that experience? And we realized just, the emotional toll and the challenges and the work-life, you know, integration and concerns around career are huge for a lot of parents. And not everybody has, you know, solid support networks. A lot of people don't have family nearby to help with that child, you know. And so you have to have a, a tailored support system for every employee. And, and we realized quickly that getting an experience focus for HR was big. And that was going to help sell this program and getting a broader solution than just that pinpoint insurance solution, because they have so many insurances and most of them are not a great experience, is going to help you sell to HR. And it's ultimately what everybody cares about. And so we realize also that we can simplify HR's experience because a lot of the data we need for claims is what you need for filing for PFL or disability. So we can take that workload off of HR and simplify it for the employee because everyone complains about that experience. So we realized quickly that we don't have to do a significant amount of work to just improve the experience a lot. And that's really what we set out to do is, all right, how do we build a parent-oriented program that really meets their needs? We didn't want to just have coaching in there. Like We wanted the best coaching available. We didn't want something that was just like, here's someone they can talk to about whatever. Like, No, we want someone that can really build a relationship with them, really understand their solutions, and really provide tailored, smart insights in help that people want to continue to engage with throughout their leave. And that's that was so hard. So we didn't, so we went out and we built one of the best support programs with one of our partners for these employees. And we wanted to make sure people were easily aware of it. So we make it proactive because so much of the onus is on right now is on parents to figure things out. And we wanted to flip that on its head and make it where we're going to come to you and we're going to ease everything for you. Mm. Did you self-fund this company? I know you're the sole founder, um, even though you keep referring to we, but again, like those early days, mm-hmm. so is it self-funded initially? So we, I did I did self-fund the business for a very long time until we got into market. Then we were able to join an accelerator and we were able to raise, okay. raise capital. 
Okay, great. And were, did you conceive of this idea when you were working another, your last job or mm-hmm. yes? Okay. Yep. So I, I did conceive it when I was at Dame Products, when I was trying to sort of figure out how we would cover, you know, right. employee taking parental leave. Because most of the people there were young and having, or getting married. So the next yeah. step for many of them is going to be having kids in the next few years. So we wanted to make sure that we had a solution in place. Okay. And were you actually the person that figured out how to start the insurance component of this or so did worked, you hire someone? Yeah. We, we worked with a partner to help figure this okay. out. And so that was a joint, you know, <laughs> program where we figured out all right, what do companies want? How does a policy need to work? What, you know, what is feasible from a pricing standpoint for companies, but also, you know, is actuarially accurate. How do we structure this? How do we integrate with the other programs? And then we worked with a partner that helped the underwriting, the regulatory reviews, and this was okay. the actuarial piece. Okay. Okay. And h- how much money have you raised to date? So we, well, we don't close that, disclose that specific number, okay. but it's been well over a million dollars. Okay. And do you feel like you'll have to take more investments in to continue to grow or is the company at a place where it'll grow just from your revenue? The company will grow just from where we are. We're growing incredibly quickly mm-hmm. um, at this point because paid privilege is probably one of the hottest topics yeah. and every industry is interested. It's not just generous white collar or really software right. companies. You know, most of our clients are not that. So at this point, we actually are evaluating raising capital in order to hire up more quickly because we've grown so rapidly and we work with so many benefits brokers today yeah. that are consistently bringing groups that... We want to make sure that we have a very solid employee experience and company experience on top of being able to meet those sales targets. Mm, okay. I mean, the, you're right time, right place, right? Which is like half the battle of mm-hmm. of being an entrepreneur and founding a company. Um, what, what do you think your team, we'll want to switch gears a little bit here and talk a little bit more about you as a leader. What do you think your team would describe your attributes that make you a great leader? How do you think they would describe them? I think a couple of things about me people would definitely say is when I'm very methodical and mm-hmm. I listen, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm open to criticism. I take that if I say we should do something and other people disagree, I, you know, I want to hear why and I want to hear the reasoning. And if I think that they're right and I was wrong, we'll pursue that. Or even if maybe I disagree, but it's something that we can test out. I'm yeah. open to testing that. And I think it's really important that we en- I enable people I work with. And I think that they would say that I enable them. And I give them the trust to you know, do what they think is right by just setting up kind of the guardrails. Like, this is what we're going to do. And you can go with it. And we'll disagree. But let's <laughs> think things through. So it's very methodical. I'm very you know, data-oriented. So yeah. I have to have data to, to back it up. And we do genuinely analyze it and where we don't it's about all right let's go experiment and get the data that we need and it's okay if we fail or, or you're wrong so i would say methodical data oriented probably encouraging <laughs> i would mm-hmm. certainly hope um mm-hmm. and definitely open to, to listening to different perspectives mm-hmm. i find as founders and leaders we oftentimes end up doing work that may not be our greatest strength or our mm-hmm. deepest passion what do you feel is your greatest strength that you get to do as part of your day-to-day work? I think that the greatest strength for us is the ability to build the financial case for a lot of these businesses. Mm-hmm. We tailor, we get a lot of data from the companies to help quote them, but then we not only take that, but we build statistical analyses for them. We'll build business cases for them that they can present to the CFO. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of organizations, if you're large enough, you know, we can determine how many women you have likely lost over the past several years based around parenthood. Like we can determine, you know, you maybe lost 10, 15 employees because of this. And so we can put a price tag on that for organizations. And so the ability to provide real tra- transparent analysis, we make it available to companies too. We send them the analysis, I think is huge because it isn't yeah. just some sales case that, you know, a typical company might give you that obviously is a positive ROI on this because mm-hmm. they need to sell it. It's no, here it is. Here's the data, stress test it. You know, some organizations maybe aren't going to see as strong of an ROI, but others, it's very obviously going to be very good. And so the ability to bridge that divide between HR and finance in a tailored, transparent way, I think is huge. Mm. And are you yourself doing that data gathering and creating those reports or is someone on your team doing that? So I tend to do the analysis. Someone on my team will gather the data. We have a lot of automated models, so they'll put it into that. And then certain organizations may require a little more statistical analysis, a little more finesse um, to review what is relevant to that organization, what factors should be excluded or maybe included that aren't going to be relevant for other organizations so so that there is more of a touch and it's not just automated. So there is some mm-hmm. that qualitative aspect to some things instead of just 100% quantitative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You um, probably have one of the best parental leave policies at your company, I'm assuming, than, than many of the companies out there, right? So I would say that we have a very solid support program. We're still relatively small. Okay. And so we'll see where it goes, but we're really small team. So it's really difficult for us to really offer, you know, the six month type policy that I think, you know, a Google might offer. Right, right. You'll get there. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you will. <laughs> what What is uh, one of your greatest challenges to growing your company? I think the biggest challenge is just the sort of cultural challenges you run into, where a lot of organizations are still reticent to offer more than just a few weeks of parental leave to anybody that's not giving birth, whether that's dad or adoptive parents, where they're just not willing to provide that kind of time because maybe they don't think dads had to do anything when they have a kid. You know, there's no reason for them to be there. They're not breastfeeding. There's no medical recovery. So who cares? You know, they also maybe undersell the impact of adoption and foster placements, you know, that's an emotionally fraught process and without any medical hearing healing and they act like it's, you know, only need two weeks. You know, that, that, that is going to need as much time as a birth mom, because that process is so time consuming, so difficult for many families. And it's not something that comes quickly and easily. And so it's just sort of changing the mindset of a lot of senior leaders in organizations and broader society that men deserve as much time off as moms, because it's not just about healing. It's about building a relationship with that child setting up the child rearing burden that's so it's more equitable and not two thirds, 70% on the mom because she needs to be able to get back to work. You know, there's more to this than just the, the birth recovery. And I think a lot of companies and organizations underplay what dads and non-birth parents really need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. Where do you go for inspiration when you're having a, a hard day at the office or at your home office? Or what do you do? We get a lot of testimonials from parents in HR. So we always refer back to like what they've said and how much they like it and how much they absolutely adore it. And we have parents who call this their favorite policy and they work for tech startups with incredibly generous offerings. Mm -hmm. We have parents who say they wish they had this when their first child. It made their lives a lot easier. Um, And for many of these employees, you know, they never had paid friendly before our program existed. Like they mm-hmm. were not going to take leave this year if our program wasn't in place with their company. So the ability for us 
to facilitate that change and to give these employees 10, 12, 14 weeks of leave is huge because we're clearly making a major impact there, even if we don't have a testimonial for them telling us how amazing our program is yet. Right. So you look, you read those for yeah. for continued drive and motivation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so to recognize the overall impact that we're yeah. making and what, how much employees care, how yes. relevant it is. And, and even HR, we have testimonials from them. So we have quotes and how much they appreciate that this exists and, and what they view. But the overall driving factor is that employee. All right. You mentioned, and, and I had asked kind of pre-call that you run a company that is the only one of its kind in the entire mm-hmm. world. So Dirk, where do you, where do you look for um, examples of how to grow and grow this company? Or like, again, where are you finding ideas of, of how to scale this? And, and I do think that a lot of skills around growing companies are transferable regardless of mm-hmm. the industry. But again, like being the first and only in a, in a category is really unique at the, you know, at this time in the world, frankly. So h- how are you figuring out how to steer your ship? Yeah. So we spend a lot of time thinking through the employee experience. So understanding what parents are going through. We don't ask them what you need and what you want, right? That's not going to give you what the solution really is. that's beneficial for them. We try to understand what their needs really are, what's happening to them. But then also with regards to where to go, how to build this business, we actually don't look to other insurance companies. I think the existing insurance structure is terrible in many ways. I think most people hate their insurance carriers. I think even companies in HR hate their benefits insurances. And we recognize limitations. So to a certain extent, we actually look to them to see what shouldn't we be doing? Like how bad is that experience? Let's do the opposite. We tend to look more toward consumer brands with really good experiences, whether that's like a luxury brand or that's, you know, just a middle income kind of brand or just, uh, you know, a grocery store that's well-known. Like, what are they doing? How are they achieving that loyalty and that love of their employee or really their their customers? We're looking at those kinds of industries to better understand what we could be doing to facilitate that, whether that's from a product standpoint or an experience standpoint or a messaging standpoint, because that's really where we want to go is to build a brand that is recognizable as the go-to solution to support working parents. Like if you want to, if you want to check a box and offer paid for leave on your own and do the bare minimum, okay, great. But you're going to have not great results with that. If you care about your employees, you want to drive real results, you come to us. Like we're the premium player that's going to get you the results that you need. And so that's where we look to order their organizations in other industries that are the kind of premium and and the best Mm. of what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. I mean, you're really like taking the brand experience into consideration Mm -hmm. and and that is the bedrock of a solid brand, by the way, right? People always think it's colors, it's logos, it's, and it's not, it's really Mm -hmm. is the experience at every single touch point, right? That a customer has with the company. That's, that's what builds a great brand. Exactly. And that's exactly how we think through this from our first outreach to that employee when they're taking leave to helping them through that period. And how are we supporting them? Are we sending them anything? So when they're returning to work, what might they be saying about us? And then hopefully driving some word of mouth and, and doing so in ways that you know reflect how we view ourselves. Mm-hmm. Dirk, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur just launching a new company? I would say 
you know, ignore what a lot of people have to say about the negative aspects of starting companies. Like, yeah, you have to work hard and it takes a lot of time, but like, don't let that dissuade you because you're not always going to be working 100 hour weeks. Like, it's not feasible. Mm-hmm. And I would say only really listen to what your end users and customers are saying. Ignore what investors say. They usually don't know what they're talking about. Ignore what even so called experts in the space talk about because they only know what their window into the world gives them. You know, they're looking at things from a different perspective from you. So they're not necessarily going to have the answers. So don't get dissuaded by what a lot of so-called experts say. Really look to the guiding star, which should be your end users. Yeah, that's great advice. Dirk, it's been great having you on the show. As we wrap up, would love to hear how people can best uh, connect with you and learn more about Parento. Yeah, the best way you can go to our website, which is parentoleave.com, or they can always just email us at sales at parentoleave.com. We have plenty of information. We can always quickly get them a quote as well if they're interested in our program for their company. Great. Thanks so much, Dirk. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to the Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.